This podcast is brought to you by Mobile Arts Programming. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Bittersweet Stories. I'm John. And I'm Wes. And this is the podcast where we jump into the lives of uh, frontline workers in, in different social service jobs. That's right. And sometimes we, our guests are people that we've worked with before. And in this case, that's true. And today we have... Maya. Hello, Maya. Yeah, we're so grateful to have you here today um, and, and you know get a sense of what it is you do and, and uh, the people you get to interact with. Um, but before we jump into y- what, you, what you're into currently, um, the first place that we normally like to begin is, is where did you start? How did you get into the industry? What, uh, what pulled you in uh, initially? I guess I've always really been interested in working with people. Um, and my, my first kind of memory, the first thing I think about when I think about how I got into this field is really just having this moment of like really wanting to work with really young kids. I was at uh, my old elementary school for an event and this junior kindergarten class toddled in. And I remember talking to my mom, who is also an occupational therapist, um, and just saying, I, I think I really want to work with really young kids. Um, and I had originally kind of thought about social work, and that wasn't necessarily fitting right. And this was when I was in, I guess, my bachelor, and I okay. wasn't really sure okay. what I wanted to do, but I had just taken a general arts degree. I took anthropology and theater. So right. nice. really just setting myself up for a good professional career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, we, we, we both have uh, backgrounds and things yeah. that almost don't matter anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really fortunate to be able to go to university and have parents who supported me and just be able to learn mm-hmm. and have an experience. But I right. always knew that I had to go do more school to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. Um, and I had worked as a lifeguard for a really long time, so and I'd really enjoyed working with the really, really young kids. Um, but it was really kind of, wasn't enough for me to just want to be like a teacher or something. I wanted, I think, something a little bit more complex. Okay, yeah. Um, so I really started thinking about kids with disabilities. Um, and through that, started working, I guess, where did I go from there? Um, I think I did volunteered a little bit in university Mm -hmm. with this um i guess i was just kind of a i guess a youth worker but Mm -hmm. i was just kind of doing a after school in the evening for this parent support group um the parents would go with a social worker to do some learning how to be parents and Mm -hmm. i hung out with the kids and a lot of the kids had kind of disabilities of some sort whether or not they had an actual diagnosis right. what was like what was the age range of the, of the kids those so those were really young kids right. there was some like babies probably oh wow mm, i'm trying to think i can't remember if we had any like, i don't think it was infants but there were definitely like 18 months to probably about seven years old okay because that was really my original interest was right. really really young kids um, and when you when you were a lifeguard, was it it was also like a similar age population? Uh, there was a lot more of a range with that. Okay. I really enjoyed for a little while, carved out a little bit of a niche with the the kids who weren't quite parent and taught classes, but old enough to be by themselves, but still like cried the entire time. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, yeah, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good reference to the age, uh, the age group. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did teach some older kids and did some coaching with more of the actual like stroke development right. and at a higher level. But really enjoyed more the really young kids where you could sing and play and do those like daycare things. Sure, right. Um, so when you were volunteering, this sort of it sounds like was maybe the a segue that was sort of closest to maybe what you ended up doing later in terms of like the people that just they weren't just young kids there were other other elements to what was going on with them yeah definitely that was my first foray into working with more kids with different needs and different abilities right um and then from there i had tried to work at summer camps for a little while but always tried to do day camps and Mm -hmm. It was just really hard to break into that industry while still also making like a livable wage that I needed to pay rent. Yeah. Um, so after I graduated from my undergrad, I went and worked at Camp Winston, which is a really small summer camp. They, they have, like, I think, about 150 kids over the whole summer. Okay. And that's in two-week blocks. And that's for kids with pretty complex neurological and behavioral disorders. Mm-hmm. So that was really where I really started to dig into really working with pretty complex needs. Right. Um, and that was, so there, so you can start coming when you're seven, then they have a teen program up until you turn 18, you age out. Right. So, and I worked pretty well across the spectrum and really, really enjoyed working with the specifically during autism camp with the kids with much more higher level needs for day-to-day activities. Right. right. And, and within the context of that, like what were some of the programs or, or activities that were ran at the camp? I mean, it was a summer camp, so mm-hmm. we still did all the summer camp things. My, I, I worked there for three summers after that first summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first summer, I was the drama instructor. So I did drama games. Um, and then during... So there's a boys camp, a girls camp, and then autism camp. During girls camp, you put on a whole production. Right. And so I didn't actually have a cabin that summer. I had um, had the play, mm-hmm. which oh, was that's awesome. With your in- drama background, yeah, right? yeah. yeah right. So that's See? Oh, course, tying it all in. Yeah. Yeah, there are some common themes throughout. Um, and we did, that was the year that Frozen came out. So we did, okay. (laughs) We did Frozen. So I know all the songs to Frozen now. (laughs) Yeah. Having worked with, you know, kids and I know John, you have too, like the soundtrack of that film is just ingrained in my memory. Yeah. 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 For sure. With my nieces and nephews. Uh, Yeah. yeah, it doesn't, uh, there isn't a family function where it's not played at some point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're pretty good songs. I enjoyed them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really missed working, like I didn't have a cabin and I missed that closeness that comes with the frontline work of really being with them from the point that they wake up until they, you force them to sleep. Right, mm. right. Yeah, you definitely, um, I'm sure you'd agree, you sort of, although you're going along and you're doing things, you have your daily schedule, there's all kinds of these like smaller moments where you get to just like connect with. Mm-hmm. I, I worked at, a, for one summer, I worked at like a, a camp, a youth camp for youth that were otherwise in this residence um and in the summertime they went up to this camp so like i used to always think in the path the walking along the pathway from like you know the main like mess hall to whatever cabin they were going to if they're like oh i left my reading glasses behind or something and mm-hmm. they're like oh like okay i'll go with you and we'll just go get it it's like in that in that walk you can find so much 
find out so much about the person in terms of what they like, why mm-hmm. they like it and stuff like that, that you don't otherwise get if you're in a larger group. But then also to your point about sort of if you're running the drama program, that's the focus. Yeah. And you interact with kids sort of within that context, but you don't get as much of that just like mm-hmm. regular kind of connection that can happen through a day. And it's a nice, nice aspect of it. So that's obviously what you were kind of missing then. Yeah. And there's good and bad stuff. Like I really enjoyed in that time not being not having to be the bad guy ever and right. not telling the kids they needed to eat their vegetables mm-hmm. and they needed to go to bed on time but mm-hmm. i also missed the like exactly what you're saying the closeness that comes with really being the person who is there in all of those really difficult moments and you build right. so much of a relationship when you're supporting kids when they're having a really difficult time yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that's like i mean that's just like a big part of why I think anyone sort of does mm-hmm. this line of work is is really just like finding that genuine connection. Like, and it's not really partial to age either, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't really matter if you're sort of working with someone in this context. It's a, a very kind of beautiful aspect of it, a very human aspect of it is like truly just being able to connect with someone if they if they've had something a negative experience or some kind of a reaction and you're there with them and you're like talking through them and being like, Hey, you know, like, you know, I know what that feels like. And, mm-hmm. and there was aspects mm-hmm. that I've experienced similar things. And then like right away you're able to connect and yeah, it's like a, it's a truly beautiful thing, a very like distinct human kind of a connection that you can like have with someone in these experiences, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 So summer camp, it's, it's fascinating how many people we talk to. That's kind of where a lot of people start. Um, mm-hmm. Because you're right, you, you you do you know build get the opportunity to build relationships with people for like I'll, I'll be at such a short time like two or three weeks or however long they're there, but it's like so intense because you're around them 24 hours a day, right? Um, so after uh, the camp, what uh, what was kind of the next part of your journey? Then I moved to the states for a period of time, hmm. um, and yeah, was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do so at that point I did know that I wanted to go back to school and wanted to do occupational therapy okay. way back when I looked at those kindergarten kids my mom had suggested you know you can do that with occupational therapy and she'd always worked with more of the geriatric population so I didn't really know what occupational therapy was and that kind of allowed me to start exploring what you could do with OT mm-hmm. and it was really the flexibility of occupational therapy that really drew me to this and still not really knowing what I want to be when I grow up, but still knowing that I could take OT and do whatever it is that I found at Mm -hmm. that time. Right. You didn't know the specifics of it, but it was like enough of a overarching kind of like a good gateway. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That you're like, you don't know exactly what it is, but you'll find something that, uh, that you really enjoy through that, uh, that pursuit. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, I just worked and tried to kind of like build more experience. I did some respite care. And this was in the States? This was in the States. Yeah, right. what, what was yeah. that experience like? It was interesting. It was um, pre the current administration. <laughs> <laughs> the, right. the year is 2019. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I moved there in 20, uh, 2014 and left kind of right before those Mm-hmm. primaries ended mm-hmm. um, but I'm an American citizen so it was really easy for me to just be able to go down and just figure it out okay. mm-hmm. so I worked a lot of different jobs um, 
just trying to kind of figure stuff out. Yeah, right, right. And so in that process, a part of it was like, why don't I just go to the U.S. and and get an experience like working in this country uh, through the whole process? Like it was a part of it was being in the U.S. as well, I guess. Uh, I followed my partner down there. Oh, okay. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he went and did his master's um, down there, and because I had citizenship, it was really easy for him to just apply wherever he wanted. And I see. I told him I would come for an adventure. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Interesting. Well, good for you for kind of picking yourself up and getting a little out of the comfort zone, I guess. Definitely way out of the comfort zone. Yeah, yeah especially yeah. It's, it's somewhat of a daunting process, even just finding your footing in general. Yeah. So especially if you were kind of like picking up and going to mm-hmm. a, a different country, that would be interesting as well. Um, okay. And then so obviously you came back here Mm -hmm. and then what was it like in terms of finding work or or what were you looking for at that point when you did return back to Canada I came back here because I got into occupational therapy school okay yeah so I spent though this I was there for two years and then I spent the second year working on my application and really really took my time with it because I knew that I was only applying once right I wasn't going to go back to school the get better grades and I had kind of mapped out the next year of my life in terms of camp and I knew where my jobs were so I knew that I wasn't going to get different experience so I really took my time in that application and reached out to a lot of people who were in the program or had just finished the program to really try to get some good buzzwords and Mm -hmm. so I got in um, and that brought us back to Canada and to Toronto Mm -hmm. right cool now Looking back on that experience, um, did you notice any like differences or similarities between the way the kind of the social service system is in the United States compared to Canada? Yeah. I mean, everything you have to pay for in the States. Right. Right. Um, And that that, like that probably just limits and affects the populations you you interact and work with mm -hmm. in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm doing different work than what I did down there. I worked mm-hmm. for uh, the YMCA, mm-hmm. doing kind of a um, supportive recreational program mm-hmm. that was aquatic-based. And then I did some respite. So I, I don't necessarily think that I was uh, as tapped into the same kind of social services right. down there as I am in he- Right. Right. Yeah, fair enough. Canada. That's obviously like a huge... Yeah. Question. It's something that we often like have thought about just in general about like um, the comparison of social services here versus like in the U.S. with knowing that there's like healthcare provided in one country and not in the other. Like, how does that compare? So I feel like that's probably the the context of that question. But obviously, it's Mm -hmm. pretty hard for you to uh, Mm -hmm. to speak to to it. Yeah. Yeah, But I guess nothing really stood out as being like exceptionally uh, except for the payment for service. Yeah. So there was a lot of payment for service and i i wasn't i was in california which has quite from my understanding um quite a lot of services mm-hmm. yeah. and i was in a pretty urban area so i think the sense of it was pretty comparable to coming back to toronto there's so many sure. services there was so many programs where i was so it wasn't necessarily uh, like the midwest rural yeah. mm-hmm. america mm-hmm. that would have i think felt a lot different yeah, yeah california is not really representative of like the entire country yeah, yeah 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 and it's pretty cool so it's not surprising <laughs> that uh they would have that um okay cool so then um you came back and then 
you would have done your schooling and then did you have placements within your schooling as well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, there's four placements for occupational therapy school in Canada, I believe, at least in Ontario. Um, and I really wanted to, I know I, I knew I didn't want to work in like a really medical model area. And I think that's often where OT is placed right now is in hospitals mm-hmm. and in more physical settings, although they're, are a lot of OTs who work in like mental health settings like mm-hmm. CAMH or CMHA. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I really tried to use my placements while we weren't, we didn't interview, we just rated them and there was a kind of an algorithm that tried to get everyone their best choice. I, I tried to really choose placements that created this this story of what I was interested in. So my first placement was in the community working in people's homes as opposed to being in an institution. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, and that was pretty, still pretty medical model. It was a lot of equipment, making sure it was a, more with the geriatric population, right. Right. people who have just left the hospital and need equipment to be able to be safe in their home and right. age in place. And then my second placement was up in Northern Ontario. Wow. Yeah, like Sioux Lookout, far Northern Ontario, not just what I think Toronto calls yeah, Northern right, yeah. Ontario. Like Muskoka? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Gravenhurst. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, so really, really up there. And that was such a wonderful opportunity. And I was in the hospital there, so that was kind of my big medical experience. I was in acute care, mm-hmm. but it it's an acute care hospital, but it, it's really it's really serving as a rehab setting for people who we've served a lot of indigenous hmm. clients and a lot right. of people who are in flying communities. And I was there uh, beginning of November until the end of December. So the start of winter and mm-hmm. they have a lot of, a lot of clients who come for the winter because it, yeah. they don't have yeah. um, the services and the support to be able to um, be safe at home. And they, they end up in the hospital for one reason or another, and they're just, they're not able to mm-hmm. go home until the end, uh, till springtime. So that was a really interesting experience just to really get uh, a, a feel of the different experiences and services in our own country. Right. Um, being in Toronto, there's, again, so many services, so many right. things that we don't often think about, or for myself before this experience, I didn't think about really those more rural areas and what that experience is like. Yeah, it's true. It's almost like, you know, it's sort of funny to draw a parallel, but it's almost like the California to the U.S. thing where you're mm-hmm. like, you know, the what you see at a glance that's like uh, available in a major mm-hmm. city is not at all representative of like the the rest of the country. And the fact that it is obviously more rural, there's less services available. People have to tra- travel way farther. Um, the difficulties that they may experience or what they're experiencing is mm-hmm. probably much different than anyone in like a more urban area. So, yeah, that'd be very interesting. Yeah, just to I, have that like that difference, that contrast. Yeah, I really enjoyed that experience, and that was, again, because their team was so small. I I, I felt like I had a a great opportunity, even in an acute care setting, to see patients more than mm-hmm. just one time, like in and out. Right. And really felt like I got a lot of skills very quickly because they don't have as many staff, and so they they were really excited to have students and really have extra bodies to learn, but also do work. Mm-hmm. Right. That's great. That's a good yeah. learning experience for sure then. Um, and then so you would have finished school and then... So then I had my third placement at 
Covenant House. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So that's how I got connected here. Brings us to the present. Yeah. 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 And I, I did a, it's called a role emerging placement that U of T at least is really trying to push really hard. And the idea behind those placements is that they're in an area where there aren't OTs mm-hmm. or there are OTs working in a very small capacity and OT students go in and it's, it's a lot more project based and kind of showing the organization what it would be like if they hired an OT. Okay. I guess just as a quick aside, um, for those listening who might not be familiar, what is an OT? <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing to clarify. That's a yeah. great yeah. question. Um, the way that I explain occupational therapy in my current role is that I help people to occupy their time in a meaningful way. Hmm. So okay. that's where that word occupation comes from. Right, it's right. not about jobs, but really about our day-to-day living. And it tries to be very holistic and exploring people kind of as a whole, looking at physically what's going on emotionally, but also what's going on in your environment. And the easy way that I explain things is often OTs work a lot with equipment. So for example, if someone has a spinal cord injury, like a complete spinal cord injury that they're not going to be able to walk again, you wouldn't, and they want to be able to walk their dog, you're Mm -hmm. not going to necessarily have somebody who's going to rehabilitate their muscles, but it's about getting equipment in like a wheelchair so that they can still mobilize and they can still move and still walk their dog in a way that works for where they are at now. Right. Okay. Interesting. So then, yeah, that, that nails it in there. Yeah. Right. So then it was exactly to, uh, as you said, just to sort of, um, get a sense of how an agency would benefit from having Mm -hmm. an OT was sort of what brought you here for your student placement then. Yeah. Yeah. So I was with another student and we did a bunch of projects about running groups and we took on a really, really small caseload and a lot of it, we were the first students to come in. So because sometimes organizations will take students year after year, but we were the first one. So a lot of it was about kind of creating some processes about documentation Mm -hmm. and things like that for if there were to be future students which there were after us and then they really enjoyed what we did and it was just a little bit of a perfect storm in terms of funding for their life skills program was available and nobody was in that role and they wanted to make it something new and so they they hired me sweet that's amazing and and you know what has your experience been like within the context of covenant house It's been really great. This is, I think, when I thought about what I wanted to be when I grew up, Mm. that it came back to that. I don't know what I want to do, but I think OT will lead me there. And I I knew I didn't necessarily want to be an OT, like, in a hospital. I didn't want to wear scrubs, despite how comfortable they seem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I wanted to really be working with people um, and not not just equipment or, like, rehabilitating muscles and stuff like that while that is extremely valuable work i wanted to really find a different way to be an ot so i really what when i was applying to jobs applied to a lot of social work jobs and things like that trying to make the case that i was the equivalent because i do have a master's like a master's of social work a master's of occupational therapy um so working at covenant house really fits well in that really unique area of occupational therapy working in mental health, but not necessarily in a medical institution, right. but really having the flexibility to just also just figure out what this role looks like. Mm-hmm. And the first 
OT to be in this role. And so figuring that out has been quite a quite a process. I've only been here not even a year. So it's taken a lot of different twists and turns and Covenant House and my my supervisor have just been really supportive of the ideas that I've had. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, you know, our small interaction with Covenant House to this point, everybody's been fantastic and super accommodating and very warm and welcoming. It's, it's, it's a, it seems like a fantastic organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're very lucky to be um, partnering with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone definitely seems to be, like, really happy with, like, their work, like what the work entails mm-hmm. and like sort of like what it is that uh, exactly is being done. And so I think it's like really cool. And to that end as well, the fact that like um, they were sort of trying something new on yeah. and then mm-hmm. you happen to be like a part of that uh, perfect storm, I think, as you said, right? Like um, that's really cool. And it's really exciting for you as well mm-hmm. to sort of have like, as you said, this would sort of represent an amalgamation of like sort of all of what you liked most about each of your previous experiences. Like mm-hmm. it seems in terms of like working with youth and then being in like a, 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 a rather fluid environment that mm-hmm. may not be the case mm-hmm. in a hospital, but then also like having this sort of physical aspect as well. Like makes me think of like with you being a lifeguard and then also working <laughs> at camps mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you know, it's like all kind of coming together. Running theater programs. Really cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 We just got to get the anthropology part in there. I don't know how well that ties in. Well, but. I was focused mostly on <laughs> cultural anthropology. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. Perfect. They're perfect. What I always said is that uh, culture is very theatrical and theater is very cultural. So I think that go. those mm. two go hand in hand All right. and culture permeates mm-hmm. everything that we do. Nice. Um, so I'm curious, uh, we're getting kind of close to the end, I guess, here, but we always like to sort of ask, because of the name of the podcast, about some highs and lows. Mm-hmm. So I've just like, you know, without getting delving like super deep, I guess, unless you care to. Um, maybe let's start with a low and then finish with a high. If you can think of anything that maybe jumps out where you're kind of like, uh, that was something that you experienced that was, yeah, a bit of a low. I think for myself, like a low isn't necessarily w- with a specific experience but more so um, really grappling with myself and figuring out my own who I am in this role and figuring out Mm -hmm. who I am as an occupational therapist as somebody who's really new to the profession and figuring out a brand new role I think there are just in that a lot of highs and lows and Mm -hmm. really feeling really just feeling my way out day to day. Sure. And yeah, I think that there are just some lows with that and feeling feeling like I think we all experience feeling like an imposter, like I don't mm-hmm. deserve right. this really cool, amazing opportunity that Covenant House has created um, and managing my own feelings around that. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like with anything, um, anything that's sort of, newly created you don't benefit from being able to look back at like a documented kind of like chronological like well here's what everyone did before you if it's like you're kind of just it's it's a new a new role for you and also newly created so it's just like yeah you're sort of like yeah um dipping your feet in some sort of murky waters for lack of a better saying but it's understandable how like without a solid foundation or solid footing you would naturally not really maybe feel 100% 100% amazing all the time about it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's for sure there's elements of stress involved with that. But on the flip side, like 
what a cool opportunity you know you, you like you get to be autonomous you get to be in charge of you, you have your own agency in, in in terms of your your job and what that entails and i think one thing that is is uh, um very hopeful for me at least to see is that this whole industry is seems to be starting to shift into different ways of thinking and accepting new you know styles of programming like even what we do like being in spaces and and making music with folks like it's you know it's it's kind of different and it's a lot of fun and we're so grateful Mm -hmm. that we get that opportunity it just seems to be the right time for yeah for that type and and anyways like i guess the point of what i was trying to say was it's it's cool to see the industry slowly shifting for sure it's like one thing to sort of recognize again with like music programming or something like um not having not previously having an occupational therapist like as part of your staff, it's cool to a have that be recognized, but then b have people be like, no, okay, we're we're gonna do this, like mm-hmm. we're down to do this, like you know, even for us, the fact that we're here doing our music programming in Covenant House was like, you know, Covenant House as like an entity was like, you know, yeah, we need to. I think we've come to realize we need to focus um, a little bit more with some like arts based programming, and then the yeah. fact that we had kind of reached out and was like sort of a happy, perfect storm, right? Mm-hmm. Even exactly. as that as an example, like we're so fortunate that there's an agency that A, has identified that, but B, is receptive and willing and happy to like, you know, get the wheels rolling and like make it happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, cool. And then how about, is there anything you want to say in terms of like a high, like like a positive yeah. sort of? That's, that's like even harder to just choose one for that because yeah. I think that there are a lot of really, I've just had a lot of really wonderful moments with so many of the young people who live here and who we support. Um, I think one that is, I guess, just on the top of my mind, because I just came from running that group, is I've uh, been doing a, a breakfast club. Right. Um, right. And it's been actually youth-led. So it's a it's a young person who stays here and has a background in cooking and approached me about trying to do some group and it started with kind of just a small idea about teaching people how to make eggs in a bunch of different ways and it's evolved into uh, a bi-weekly group where we've made different things every week we've done french toast and we did um, we did pancakes today and just inviting people into a different space than where they normally hang out and there's a kitchen we can use and and just being able to eat breakfast together in right a different environment that I know is not necessarily a home, but hopefully feels a little bit, um, a little bit calmer, a little bit nicer. And also having the opportunity to like be able to cook something for themselves. I think a lot of youth really get a lot out of that. Um, and then just seeing this young person who is the one teaching and really has evolved a lot over the course of doing this group over and over again, I've just seen them really be able to take more and more steps back and be able to just guide people and encouraging people to get involved Mm -hmm. has just been really lovely to see how much leadership this person's taken that's amazing there's like so many levels of it's like nourishment on so many levels like the literal food Mm -hmm. the like um and everyone benefiting from life skills Mm -hmm. learning those life skills being able to see the group of the youth participating and Mm -hmm. enjoying it and benefiting from it and then even as you say the youth who sort of or the person who came up with the idea and being able to sort of see all of that like grow and manifest is Mm -hmm. pretty cool yeah Mm -hmm. nice that's awesome 
Well, Maya, that's it for today, but uh, thank you so much for your time, and, and uh, it was an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Mobile Arts Programming, or MAP for short, brings the recording experience to you. If your agency or organization is interested in exploring the positive outcomes of writing and recording music, please visit our website at mobilearchprogramming.com.